flying sign with Joe Clady. This is Stoic Forge. The air was dry and the sun was hot. It seemed like the real Southwest that I hadn't gotten the, most of the time in New Mexico. It's either rainy and cold and out of the characteristics that I assume uh, the, the West would hold. But I was in Arizona now, finally, after a week trudging through New Mexico, putting up with their uh, anti-busking laws, I was finally in into Arizona. And just the relief of knowing that I could start that side gig again by just playing on the street and, and, and hopefully making something was, was exciting and uh, potentially prosperous. But I pulled into this Arby's just outside of Flagstaff and I, I realized <laughs> I realized that I had shit my pants and not not like a full diaper <laughs> shit my pants. It was just enough to where I was like, God damn it, I shit my pants. And I attributed it to, well, one, most likely my diet, my road diet. Two was most likely the events of the night before with one feather and the bike and the inches, fingertips from having my shirt dragged and getting my my ass stomped to the ground uh, left me a little rattled, needless to say. And it got the best of my system. So at this Arby's, tried to clean myself up and change myself so I wasn't basking in my, my own filth and the sweaty, dank van, um, wasn't, wasn't a proud moment for me, but then I pulled into Flagstaff and, and, and felt the, the rush of something new, a new spot, what, what's going to happen here, especially now that I can explore again, uh, with my guitar, but then I realized it was the first town that I would get into where I wouldn't have a bike. And that just, oh God, just set me off and I just got so angry. But that meant I, have to, I would have to walk and there could be worse things. So I started to explore downtown Flagstaff and it immediately reminded me of Hannibal, which seemed like months, years ago, and it had only been three weeks, a couple weeks since since I had left Renee for the last time. And and so I set up shop, um, guitar case, sign, um, smile, and, and hope to get something going, and was approached by this man named Andrew who was 
also a busker. He played this beautiful uh, hand-carved recorder. Not quite a flute, not quite a clarinet, but just, just a recorder. And he made these uh, very, you know, hippie-esque necklaces and, and bracelets that he sold alongside his act, his street act, and uh, introduced me to the busking culture of Flagstaff in in, in a very crass way, um, meaning he was very stern about the rules and started to explain to me what the rules were. You don't take people's spots. Someone's spot is their spot. And if you don't see them there for a while, then maybe they've moved on. But you find your own spot, and then you set up. And and I get that. It's turf. Being outside around the corner of a, of a certain restaurant at a certain time of day may mean... Um, some, some good hits and some good cash flow. And that's not random. You figure that out over time. And I wouldn't dare try and take the spot of someone who's been there for years and struggle to find the spots um, and just assume it for my own. So he made it clear that that doing that could start some serious shit. Um so I, I set up uh, around from him, uh, but right before I left him, I just sat and listened to him play, and he would talk in between songs and just tell me more of the the, the street lessons. And these two women walk by, stop for just, just a glance, and one of them leaves 50 cents. And he barely waited till they were out of earshot to just lay into him, start saying terrible things about one, the way they looked, but then just being very uh, bitter about how little they gave. And he's like, they didn't have more than 50 cents on them, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, maybe, I mean, granted, I was not doing this for a living or to support any... Um, children or, or other family members. So it was hard for me to understand his frustration, but I was always under the assumption that you get what you get. And once he started bitching about that, his handmade recorder quickly lost its charm. And I was, it sounds like shit, dude. That's why you get 50 cents. Um, Lost a lot of respect for him immediately. So that's when I left and uh, found my own spot. And it started slow, but I made a few dollars, which the first sign of any cash just was, again, such a relief after an entire state of virtually nothing. It Definitely nothing uh, in, in, the, in the way of busking. Then this raggedy man walked past sat and listened for a while uh no shirt looks like he had just woken up uh bald 
top of his head, but then just a halo of dreads around his head. Not not well-kept rolled dreads, the kind of dreads that are naturally occurring to where they ran to the, the small of his back and in the middle just a matted clump that just looked like a cat was hanging onto his neck. Just not not a good look, but um, he gave me $4. And I, just by looking at him, I was like, are you sure? Which could be construed as offensive, I understand that, but uh, meaning you don't need this. And all he said was, just passing it along. So I took that as he had a full belly, and that's all he needed. He had probably gotten some cash from someone else that walked by, but it it would just seemed very uh, strange for someone who seemed to to probably beg a lot to then give money to a fellow beggar. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. I wasn't in the culture long enough to see that happen. But it happened to me that day. And he continued to sit for a little bit longer. He was wearing a lot of old, hempy kind of jewelry, if you will. Just um, tied bracelets and, and necklaces with little charms and medallions and pieces of trash some of it looked like and I recognized one of them as an Ankh which is the Egyptian symbol for life now I'm not some um, um, you know super deep symbolic person and and like it's just super spiritual about it or anything I recognized it from Lost and if you've been listening I'm was super obsessed with the show to where it kind of influenced me uh, a little bit b- before all this. And that's where I recognize it from. And and since then I had I had done research so I, I knew what it was and what it had meant um, not just to the show but to uh, history itself. And just pointed out and said, hey, I, I like that a lot. And without even saying anything, he grabs it at his chest and rips it from his neck. Now granted I'm I'm sure the the hemp was pretty weak so it didn't take much effort but just ripped it off and tie, then went to tie it around my neck. And with the same uh questioning voice and attitude, I said, "Are you sure?" Like wh- you know, I just was complimenting and I wasn't asking for it. He's like, no, man, it's cool. Just just have it. Uh, I, I don't need it. And that was nice, and he walked away. And I, I went on to see him uh, from time to time, just lingering and skulking around downtown Flagstaff and not bothering anyone, just walking around uh, for the next few days. So with... Uh, some of the money he had given me, I needed some new guitar picks. Went around the corner to this guitar shop and uh, grabbed a couple of these really detailed-looking uh, picks that, that had a, a bunch of different textures on it for, for anyone that plays. I 
don't know the the brand or the style, but it just seemed like okay, this is my pick of destiny, if you will. And it just um, seemed like I don't know. It's just another thing that just seemed like this is not an ordinary pick. This is something that will play into um, some sort of um, uh, next character development or some next rising action, whatever it would be. I don't know. There was just something about it. So I asked if the, at the register, if they had like a hole punch, pulled it out, clipped it in the middle, and I wore it around my wrist as my, uh, my, my tool at hand. I went on to loiter at a Wendy's, not to eat, but just to uh, kill some time until the, the dinner rush to be downtown at that moment when everyone let out with a uh, little cash in their pocket had learned that that was a good little trick in terms of timing. So as I was waiting at this Wendy's, I, I grabbed some of the art supplies from uh, Renee's big box of treasures and went on to... I, I'm no artist, but I was able to to put together little little sheets, just little tokens uh, to, to give out to anyone who bestowed me, uh, bestowed a... a bit of cash in my guitar case. So then I went back to the corner that I had had earlier in the morning, and who's there? Andrew. Had seen that I had a little action, more than 50 cents, and had taken my spot and didn't even look at me. He saw me walk by and just continued to play. And I just, I didn't say anything, because again... This guy's the, I'm sure the regular and probably the regular asshole, uh, but didn't follow the Flagstaff rules, so found another corner, and that's where I set up again for the, the afternoon, or the, the after dinner rush, away, a little farther away than I wanted to be, and as I'm sitting there, this group of, it, sound, it sounds like French uh, group, walk past me. And there was a fit gentleman at the end and comes up and, and begins to talk to me. And uh, he entered out, his name was John, and his accent was very, very thick. He asked to play a song. So I gave him the guitar, and he began to play some sort of Western ballad that I had never heard before, and turned on this super thick Western accent that that could have passed back in Amarillo. And it just it floored me how well he could do that accent. And it's you know, a lot of people think they can do British well. It, it's just a way of moving your mouth, especially if it's something so uh, uh, recognizable. I'm sure you could do it if you know the language. I couldn't really do a French accent because I don't speak French. Besides the who de but you know that doesn't mean anything because there's no words. Anyways, it sounded so fun, uh, and everyone else listened and. 
again, kind of stole the show from me, which was fine. It was just, if any eyes on me was, um, a plus rather than just being ignored. Um, and then he gave me some money and I gave him one of my, my pieces that I had worked on at the Wendy's, which it was, it was crap. But again, it's, it was adding to my, um, my street charm the 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 thing that terrified me about having Marshall and One Feather come along that the the thought of them sitting next to me as I played hoping to make money just crept into my brain again and I was so thankful that they weren't there cuz that guitar case would have been empty with even more eyes pretending I didn't exist and with that pretending they didn't exist so I got about $7 which was okay. And I found this Walmart parking lot just right outside the downtown. And I found at the back of the parking lot, it was filled with gigantic RVs, just top of the line, uh, small retro campers, um, Mercedes vans, other vans like mine, pickup trucks with the cabs on the back, Everything, but everyone was there just camping. And not, you know, they weren't set up, but they were clearly sleeping there for the night. And it felt very comforting knowing that there were other people there just doing the same thing. So I went inside to the Walmart just to walk around and (laughs) feel some familiar comfort not of the Walmart itself I'm not some Walmart wanderer but just the 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 food and the the movies and the the TVs and the toys and the whatever just to just see stuff that wasn't the inside of the van or asphalt on a road or a desert was a familiar comfort and it was nice. Went into the bathroom, brushed my teeth, <laughs> cleaned my ass. <laughs> I, I had been just chafing terribly all day uh, after, again, no bike. So I'm walking, toting around a, a pretty large guitar case back and forth from, from the van to this downtown area. And it was very unforgiving to that area that had been uh, <laughs> soiled earlier in the day. God, why do I keep t- why do I and why am I telling you this? Uh, it happened. Sorry. The next night or the the next morning, um, I woke up super late, eleven hours straight of sleep. And again, I don't know if it was just the the security of of knowing there were several others like me. Uh, rich, poor, whatever, still sleeping around me. I don't know what it was, but it, or if it was the, um, the anxiety that had lowered itself enough to where I could not have to sleep with one eye open after the, the incident with, with one feather. Um, it was nice. And the only thing that occasionally woke me up was the, 
glass recycling bin that was just 30 feet away uh, that I'd hear shattering glass throughout the night, but that was fine. So I went in to play again, wearing the same clothes and, and made maybe a dollar. And people wouldn't even look at me. I would smile and wouldn't get a smile back. I would say hello and nothing would be said in return. And that that bothered me really, uh, really in a big way. But then I remembered what it looks like. I was the person on the street. So if you're the one walking, you can only give to so many people for so many days to where you just don't care anymore. And if the person's non-threatening, you don't have to look at them. That's not, there's no deal that says you have to participate in their struggle, participate in their, uh, their hustle. There, there's no, there's no, um, requirement for that. And I remember doing the same thing, just seeing the, the bucket drummers in downtown Indianapolis and just walking past them. And they actually were good. You know, they weren't playing shitty covers with a shitty voice. You know, they they were actually performing and doing good good work. Uh, so that it 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 bothered me, but I understood. And then this man, I was just there after the lunch rush, came up and gave me the left of his or the leftovers from his chicken wrap. So I like an like a animal ate off just his remains and uh I didn't give a fuck and I was super grateful and he seemed happy to give it to me so it was getting ready to rain again and I needed something to do I didn't want to go back and sit in the van or even walk around Walmart so I decided to go see a movie. Now, you might be thinking, where the fuck are you going to get money to do that? Well, let's just say I made a withdrawal from the Karma Credit. Now, I know I harp about that a lot, and that is a very true theme to this entire thing, Uh, but I snuck into a movie. And I've done it before, but but out here it was important not to do things like that. But it was a it was a college town, busy day, and the rain blew in. So of course people are going to the movie. So it was not hard. Uh, right before I went in, I called Sarah back from Tulsa, and she answered the phone with a uncertainty uncertainty that I had even meant to call her because we hadn't spoken since I had left with with the with the voice of hello like just with a very clear question uh and I told her it was me and she she was very happy to hear from me and I I caught her up on what had happened so far and she was shocked and bothered and lectured me in a in a very friend friendly way 
that made me uh, realize that she had become a friend if she cared enough to um uh, aggressively scold me about the situation that I put my, aunt, my my myself in to get the bike swollen I would expect someone to uh be a little frustrated with me that is my friend so snuck in and saw uh rise of the planet of the apes it <laughs> just uh this was what was showing next and and why not snuck in and saw it and again it was another um familiar comfort to go and just sit in a movie hear the cinematic score of other movies playing across the PA as you try and search for your theater go to the bathroom the smell of the popcorn the chatter of people talking about the movie after they get out it was nice and again familiar and it was nice to be in a dark room and not feel like someone was gonna hurt me <laughs> or try and steal from me so I left and and then called my mom talked to her talked to her for a long time and told her about Sarah and Mendy Lou and uh, what they had told me and taught me and I could tell she missed me uh, but she said she was happy and, and proud that I was learning not just about myself but about what it means to meet other people what it means to be in a difficult situation uh, socially economically um, and then I talked to my dad she handed him the phone and went on to tell him the same thing and he told me in a calm way um, about my balance now I had my card my bank card that had money on it that I had tried to get as much on as I could before I left in the van and I had been mostly using the cash and using the card as as backup when I would need it but again this was before smartphones it was it was pretty much impossible for me to check my balance and what I was doing and um, told me I was a hundred and fifteen dollars in the negative and I could feel my face getting hot and red and my heart starting to beat and just feeling so embarrassed so embarrassed that I that I had stressed how much I wanted this to be my thing how I didn't even originally want to bring a phone until they made that part of the deal and I, I apologize and, and, and said I'm, I'm trying out here I'm, I'm really really trying to make this uh, work and with I could just feel his smile on the other side of that phone call and he said that I was lucky he loved me and a few tears came to my eye and uh, 
I said thank you and I loved him too and he took care of it for me and said he put a little bit extra in there to help me uh, help me out when I would need it next which I was clearly going to so I was a little down after that knowing that it was um, not this big independent big boy thing that I was doing I was in a way still needing them and still relying on them I got back to the van and just laid in bed in the rain again laying down at 7 until I passed out I care I could have stared at the at the ceiling at the roof of the van just for hours I I don't even know I just was just so bored and and so bummed about the news of the money but the next morning I was greeted by a sunrise that sounded the horns at Camp Camp Walmart. Uh, everyone seemed to crawl out of their vehicle about the same time and got some got some <laughs> fresh pop tarts, uh, some dusty dollar Mike and Ikes, and did my my quick public bathroom wash. If those Mike and Ikes provided any more nutrition, though, I could eat those things for the rest of my life. They, I mean, they were, again, not healthy. And being where I was, I should have eaten a little better. Uh, but again, it was a familiar comfort. Uh, a quick little sugar rush that uh, was nice and uh, cheap. Nasty, though. Nasty stuff. Just as I'm packing up my stuff, getting ready to go back to hopefully my spot. Hopefully it hadn't been scooped up by Andrew or somebody else again. I see this woman, uh, one of my neighbors, walking to her truck. Just beat up old old truck with the cab. Uh, beautiful dreads, nicely rolled, unlike... The man dreads. Uh, I could tell she cared for hers. The you know, the flowy cloth rug looking dress deal uh, seemed friendly. So I thought, why not? Why not go speak to someone? I haven't talked to anyone since I've been here. I haven't made a single friend. So I went up and introduced myself. And she said her name was Melissa. Took me to meet her husband, Humble Pie is what he said his name was. Now, similar to the uh, the night, the first night in Hannibal, when I met Tennille, she said, oh, like in the band? Or like the band, you know? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, no, you don't. It's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I have no idea what you're talking about. He said the same thing. You know, Humble Pie liked the band. And I did the same thing, tried to be cool, pretending like I knew what he was talking about, and they sniffed that shit out immediately, and sorry, I know, I don't know, um, and they gave each other the smiling, snarky look, but it was fine. He was very thin, um, almost like sickly thin in his face and, and, and body with real baggy, 
um, sweatshirts on to either keep him warm because he was bones or maybe give the appearance of a, a bigger man. But he also had dreads that were shorter uh, and a lot thinner red that he tucked up under his uh, tattered flat cap. But he told me that he uh, grew and sold pot and he was from Garberville, California. He said he was God's green thumb to the homeless. And I believed him. He said he would he he would he would sell sixty to seventy pounds in his hometown and and donate a chunk of it to the local church to help the homeless. When he was on the road like this, he would bring a few pounds with him, sell it where he was at, and put on a barbecue in one of the the local parks for anyone, usually the homeless, to enjoy. Seemed like a pretty. Um, charitable, a little too charitable to be good or to, to seem real. But I, uh, I believed him. I, I took him up, you know, I, I took it, took it with a grain of salt, but I, I believed him. So, um, they said they were going to be there for the next few days. And I told them I'd see him around. So with my guitar, I went back downtown to try and see what I could do before I left. It was that time again to where I could feel it was um, it was time to go I timed it right perfectly after both the, the lunch and dinner rush and uh, in a few hours made 30 bucks so that felt that felt good that felt like it was it was a good little chunk to leave on especially since rain was blowing in again so I made my way back to camp Walmart and hung out in the van caught up on some journaling until the rain blew over with my atlas and pen in hand I went to go speak with Melissa and Humble Pie one more time before I, I decided to head out and ask them what to do once I got to California if they had any words of words of advice or, or where to go or even if they had any contacts and they explained to me that California is one state, but to the people there, it's two. They said anything San Francisco went up, there's just the, the northern part of the state, is where I needed to be with, with the resource, or I guess lack of resources, uh, the van. They said the, the southern part of the state was not, not the safest spot. And I could tell they were concerned for me if that was where I wanted to go, which I remembered doing the same thing with Nancy back in Hannibal with my atlas, and, and she had made uh, my endpoint suggestion by going to the uh, Temple of Self-Discovery, the Timothy Leary location in Encinitas. But they... I didn't tell them that's where I was going, but they, uh, since it was in the south, they seemed to kind of scare it out of me, at least to head that way. But it was still, again, I could do what I want. Um, but he said if I ever needed anything, they could get me out of a jam. They went on to, to boast of their uh, numerous contacts 
in both the southern and northern part of California. And they said if I'm heading to San Francisco, that they could maybe get me some work on a fishing boat. They gave me a name and a boat, uh, and they were writing all this down in the in the margin around the, the, the California section, or the California pages. They said there's this man named Emerson, who was the captain of this boat, uh, the M&M, that's set on Fisherman's Wharf. So I kept that in mind. Um, they went on to educate me on some of the terms that I hadn't picked up yet. Um, if one was to spange, that would mean they are trying to acquire spare change. So, spange being a verb. To spange, I am spanging. Thought that was interesting. So, spange, to acquire spare change, slash panhandle. Um, also, the term holding a sign or, or, or sitting out with a sign is referred to as flying sign. So that was another um, little, little bit of street vocabulary uh, to, to educate me. They gave me a little coaching on, on what to put on said sign. Um, I let them see what I had been using in my guitar case and with the same snarky smile and, and look to each other uh they said that that wasn't gonna work and that everyone wants to put put a biography on these signs and and have some long narrative about about what's going on and by the time you get more than 10 words on there people can't read what you're trying to say so he said to me and grabbed me a piece of cardboard told me what to write he said, write, traveling, out of gas, I need a miracle. It's to the point, uh, plays to the religious angle in a way, and it's true. So uh, you're, not, you're not playing the, the, the false, uh, um, you know, out of job, or the phony veteran, you're, you know, whatever, whatever we've all seen that uh, may be hard to believe at times. You don't have to worry about that. Um, so they told me where to go once I got into the north and where they were from. They were from uh, Garberville, California, uh, just kind of tucked away between uh, Laytonville and, and Redding or Redway, excuse me. And I could find some good people there to uh, probably sell the van or or um or maybe even find a a trimming job. What whatever it would be. They they made me feel um uh secure in some future work. And then he did something unexpected. And a little confusing. He said that they were both religious people, that they believed in God, uh, but they didn't refer to God as God. They called God uh, Yah or or Jah or something to that extent. He looked to the roof of his truck 
as if though he was staring into the cloudy sky uh, to Ja and under his breath said he would take a karma beating for this but he said whenever I fly sign let it be done his words in an hour and a half that I will have no less than $120 and of course I was a bit in shock and even a, a bit tickled about what he said and 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 the the black magic that seemed to to spew out of his mouth uh, I just didn't understand but he said if if he made a, a deal uh, that if God listened then then he would answer and it sounded like more uh, like a deal to the devil to me <laughs> but uh I respected it and I gave him one of the ashtrays or soap dishes what just the the little dish that that Dakota had given me in Hannibal the day I left uh I had two of them kept my favorite one but gave him one and this wasn't just a a little trinket from Renee's box this was an actual gift something I I cared to have, uh, but wanted to give to them um, and explain to them a, a briefly about the um, the, the trading and, and the treasures. And again, they looked at each other, but this time with with uh, uh, more more of a genuine smile. And he quickly pulled out one of his spare glass bowls. Uh, pipe for for those who aren't in the world um packed it with with some of his own pot and um with and then with a little bag extra and that was my trade another familiar comfort that i had been without for a while and he said if i ever needed anything to call so i hugged them both and and took off I stopped at the first uh, truck stop just outside of Flagstaff and lit up that bowl and, again, just felt that rush of that familiar comfort as I stared into the sky as a giant double rainbow that didn't break from one point of the horizon to the other stretched across the sky after the storm and I watched it appear and then disappear and for the first night in a long time since I had been in the southwest the sky was clear and I just couldn't believe the stars maybe it helped that I was a little stoned I don't know but it was it was pleasant so the next morning, I'd, I'd realized that by this point, I had started to learn uh, the modern way of living off the land, that I could, a, a true necessity I could get, whether it's water, uh, to clean, um, to spange if necessary, uh, even free food. Most places will give 
food if you are pleasant, uh, well-kept, still a little pathetic, pathetic enough to know that you're not just just somebody walking in demanding free food. You, you have the look to where you might need it, or in my case, the vehicle to where uh, it looks like I might need it. And then it's all about how you ask for it. Again, that, that, that bit of street charm that I know wouldn't have gotten me anywhere if one Feather and Marshall would have come along. Granted, he would have been stealing everything, but uh, but again, that was that was nice to know that um, I could I could get what I needed if if shit did hit the fan. So I smoked a little bit more of that bowl uh, and realized it still needed a name, but uh, um made my way uh, to Seligman, Arizona. Now, Seligman was the place where the Earth ships uh, were, or at least where I thought they were. Now, this the Earth ships were first introduced to me by Mike, Renee's neighbor, who uh, helped her with the, the her framing, and also by Dakota, who was the one with the contact with her. Casey, who was the man that that ran the Earthship operation out here, couldn't get a hold of of either Casey or Dakota. So I called someone who I should have called every day uh, to make me feel to make me feel happy, especially on the dark days. So I called Renee and. She answered the phone, and before I could even say hello, I heard that that familiar laugh <laughs> and the squeal of excitement uh, as she immediately began to quiz me about what had happened so far and about the treasures and any about any good exchanges that had happened. And I told her everything, a little high, uh, And so I giggled along with her uh, and told her every single story that had happened so far. And she listened with such a, such an entertain, entertaining uh, way about her to where she was uh, happy and and shocked, but not in like a, um, uh, like she was going to, be up worrying about me all night, which I'm sure she was. I'm just saying she, she was, she was just thrilled and excited with every story, both good and bad. Um, and I told her where I was and, and what I was trying to do, uh, with these earth ships. So she said she would try and contact Dakota and she couldn't get a hold of her either. So I waited and waited in Seligman, Arizona, which was the uh, one of the Route 66 towns. I had to go off quite a bit uh, off of I-40 to bend up the, the side road into Seligman, and it was a town full of the uh, 1950s romantic Route 66 shops and diners and 
uh, billboards and keychains and magnets and blah, blah, blah. It was cute, quaint, um, but was something to pass through. And it was um, kind of a dead end. I never heard back from Dakota or Casey and waited and ended up just wasting gas to get there. Uh, But I took the time to enjoy the desert. I took the time to enjoy the pot. (laughs) And I started to get a little paranoid as a, a thought crossed my mind about going up to Northern California and meeting Humble Pie's people, especially if he wasn't there, and being worried that you know, it, just something weird would happen and, and I could get killed or m- murdered and trapped, raped, whatever. Um, but again, it was, and I caught myself, it's fine. I don't even have to do it. So I guess after the whole one feather thing, it was a little hard to trust people. So past Seligman got back on I-40, and found my way to Williams, Arizona, the town right before the Grand Canyon, where I can remember taking the train from Williams to the Grand Canyon on that trip when I was younger. And so I called my mom and dad to let them know that I had made it to this town, and we briefly reminisced about uh, the train ride and and our, our time in Williams, um, and the Grand Canyon, and, uh, they insisted that I get a hotel room. They could hear how tired I was in my voice, and, um, they, they, they knew Williams and remembered it, and, uh, even looked up a place for me to stay. It was, wasn't anywhere nice, um, in terms of the, the, the stars, but it, you know, it was all, all tucked in the town, just a cute little town. Uh, so stayed at a, a motel in Williams and, uh, it was so familiar again, just another comfort to shower and sleep in a bed with sheets and pillows, not just a balled up sweatshirt that I would use as, as a pillow every night that I would proceed then to just put on because I was too cold. After hydrating myself and stuffing myself with the the stale remaining muffins, uh, just, just growing gross in the lobby below, I snuggled into bed and numbed myself with television turned my brain off again because it had just been burning hot with with everything that had happened so far every day was something new uh, from the boredom to the excitement to the the questioning to the worry to the homesickness the fear and it was nice to not have those things itching at me again 
and as I laid there, I thought of the Grand Canyon itself. A, a few miles away, sitting there waiting for me. And I didn't know it then, but that's where everything would change forever. I'll see you next time.